The Bible Study Podcast, episode 331. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues a study of the Gospel of John with chapter 8. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. In our last episode, Jesus was going up to the Festival of the Tabernacles in Jerusalem, and the Jewish leaders were plotting to kill him, and we talked a lot about the different reactions of people to Jesus. We're continuing on with that story, and I wanted you to know that because we sort of start in the middle of a thought here in John 8, and John 8 starts this way. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. This is a great story, and the Gospel of John is the only place that we find it. As I recall, it's not in some of the older manuscripts either of the Gospel of John. But remember, they're trying to set up Jesus because they are trying to kill Jesus. And one way to kill him would be to have him violate Roman law. And to have him start to encourage people to stone somebody might be a way that they could accuse him before the Romans. Because again, the Romans have reserved for themselves the ability to execute people. So stoning is not going to be legal under Roman law. And so they bring this woman caught in adultery, caught in the very act of adultery, but apparently caught in adultery by herself which is very odd because they are right that the Jewish law says that she should be stoned. They are right that that is the penalty for adultery, but it really says that they both should be. And where is the man? What happened here? It is, of course, a double standard, but no one in this whole passage questions the guilt of the woman. She was caught in the act of adultery, And although the guy she was committing adultery with should be with her as they're standing here, Jesus doesn't say she didn't do what she did. But what he does instead is he deflects and he starts writing on the ground. And I've always wondered what it was that Jesus was writing on the ground. I have to wonder if they could see what he was writing on the ground. Was he writing things that would remind them of what they had done? would remind them of where they were sinners. Because we do know that finally he stands up and says, let he who is without sin throw the first stone. And it's always interesting to me too, that they go away one at a time, they drop their stones and walk away, starting with the oldest, starting with those who have lived the longest, made the most mistakes, or at least have the wisdom to see that they are not perfect either. And again, we don't know what he wrote on the ground. And I wrote a song when I was in high school that said, Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground and he rewrote the law. Because remember that what they are doing is completely consistent with the law of Moses. 
except for the fact that they leave the man out. And what Jesus is doing is he is not being inconsistent with the law, is he's going one step further that says, okay, she does deserve this penalty, but do you deserve to be her judge? And so finally she says, who accuses you and no one? And he says two interesting things. One, then I don't accuse you either, but go now and leave your life of sin. In other words, Jesus is saying, I know what you did. I know that you are in fact an adulterer. I know that you are guilty under the law of Moses. So stop being that way. So don't be that person anymore. This is somebody who, as of this point, is getting a new life. As far as she knew, not that many moments ago, her life was over. Her future was bleak. And Jesus has just given back to her life. And he's saying, now spend it wisely. Continuing on with John 8, a dispute over Jesus' testimony. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I came from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, Where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. So the issue here is we're dealing with Jesus and who Jesus is and who Jesus claims to be. And the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, are saying, you need more witnesses that say you are who you say you are. And because you don't have more, what you say is untrue or your testimony is invalid. Jesus is pointing out that if something is true, even if it can't be proven without having multiple witnesses, it is still true. And he says, I know where I came from, and my testimony is valid. And he goes as far to claim that there is one other person who can testify to who I am, and that is the Father. Now, he doesn't say the Father in heaven, which would have caused them to pick their stones right back up again. But he says, the Father. And they ask him where he is, but he just says, you don't know him, because if you knew me, you would know him. It's an interesting section here, and it comes right after Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There is a lot of darkness in this passage. There's a lot of not seeing, not seeing what's right in front of you. It's easy for us as we look back to say, how can people not have recognized Jesus? And yet, if Jesus came and did what he did for them, our natural reaction would be suspicion. Our natural reaction would be skepticism. So it's easy for us to condemn them, just as it was easy for them to condemn the woman they found in the previous section. And I think we should be careful when we do that, because we try at that point to make this an issue that is 
of that time and of that place. What does Jesus mean that he is the light of the world? Light is a symbol in the Bible for good, and light is also a symbol for knowledge and truth. I think, though, probably what would make more sense is for us to think about this a little less symbolically and a little more practically. We're talking about cities that have no streetlights. We're talking about a place that when you go out at dark, even in the middle of the city, it's very dark. And when Jesus is the light of the world, I think we should think of him as one who can light our path, one who can get us where we need to go when all around is dark. And I think we need to see that following Jesus is sometimes following that one who has the light through the place that is full of darkness. There are many things in this life that are unclear. There are things in my faith that are unclear, and there are things in the Bible that are unclear. But who Jesus is, the Son of God who came to save us, is clear. We can reject that where we can accept it. It's not something that he left a lot of room for us to debate whether he meant it. And I think the challenge for us this week is to take him at his word and follow. With that, we will end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x or leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. As always, thanks so much for listening. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hard-working pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.